0: Well, welcome to the Amocan Coffee Cultural and Social Club, Conservative Hour of Power and
1: Enlightenment Salon.
0: I'm Jason Floyd. I'm the owner of Amocan Coffee, and I'm joined here today by my co-host, Jimmy Ward. Jimmy, uh, we had a little technical difficulty this morning, and this uh, podcast is our second one. Uh, and we are wrestling with some technical difficulties that we're hoping to um, mitigate with recording this session. So today we're not live. Uh, we will publish a uh, podcast on Saturday. But um, we are joined today by David Peck and his wife. And I'm sorry, I forgot your first name. No Way. I did. No Way is the beautiful no name. No Way. <laughs> <laughs> you no know, Way. It. It's got to be faux pas, right, to... Uh, Forget the guest name.
1: You could call her Jenny if you don't want to call her. Nobody. You know,
0: my brain kept going to Nancy this morning, and it was just like, no, that's not right. Nancy. It's not right. No. A nice thing, uh, yeah, it is. It Jenny is. is
2: fine.
0: Jenny, Jenny, thank you. I apologize for that. So, um, we also have Elizabeth in the studio today, and the studio is uh, a big fancy place. We're actually out in the dining area of Ammo Can Coffee. So. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So anyway, um, I asked, uh, when we were looking at what we're going to talk about today, I had the opportunity last night to listen to uh, senatorial candidate Kelly Shabaka, and uh, that was awesome. She had a lot of uh, really interesting things to say, but I got to see Dave, and I hadn't seen Dave for probably, well, pandemic's been underway. How long has it been, Dave? Pandemic plus the, since the legislature's been in session. Okay, yeah, so so almost four months, yeah. four at, months, at least, uh, f- at least four months. Oh, so, but uh, so it's good to see see Dave and um, Jenny and and I had asked them if they would if they would come down and talk to us a little bit about what conservatism means to them and and this show is about getting to know our neighbors. Getting to know what what does conservatism modern conservatism look like? How does one arrive at being a conservative? And so, uh, Dave has an interesting story. And Dave, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, your background? Yeah, I was uh, <clears throat> to make
3: a long story short, I, I'm a retired parole officer from the state of Nevada, and um, I had worked. Prior to that, in Washington State, um, probably about 25 years in criminal justice and law enforcement, um, and we so we uh, we moved here from Florence, Oregon, and um, what we ex- experienced down in Oregon—we're talking about conservatism. And what makes it conservative. So, what we experienced in Oregon was a state where the uh, legislature and government down there is a supermajority of liberal Democrats. And so, after that, we have got to, to feel that we were able, to, allowed us to compare uh, the different philosophies of the different political parties. Um, one reason we moved up here was to escape a lot of that. I mean, you're always going to have different opinions wherever you live, but when it becomes so one-sided, it's a—it's it's not a good thing. And so we've been working to uh, try to help Alaska avoid that scenario. If we can, we're just a small part. Yeah, we felt like we had no voice and, you spoke with your, uh, I would compare to talking to our senators in Oregon to trying to talk to Kelly Shabaka who's running for the U.S. Senate here, and the, there is no comparison. I would try to talk to, uh, it was Jeff Moakley and uh, Ron Wyden and Peter Defazio, with the legislators down there and even the state legislature, there was no... You uh, didn't have conversations. It was, you talked to aides, you talked to... You know, but um, here, we've, uh, we've found that uh, you can actually have an influence and talk to people and uh, participate in what's going on and feel like you're participating. So that's some of the things that we Experienced and, and also, I would like to also say that for 40, 50 years until about I guess 2014, I was a registered Democrat.
0: <laughs> bum, bum, <Yeah>. bum, <laughs> all the oxygen just left around. <laughs> yeah. okay, breathe, breathe, breathe. Cardiac, cardiac. Ginny
3: was never a registered <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wow.
0: So you you guys actually were using cancel culture before it was in vogue, <laughs> Right. Before uh, it was cool. Before it was cool.
1: Okay. <laughs> but going back to that, I have a question. So you, for all that length of time, you were a registered Democrat. Um, what's the reason? Well, I would say it
3: started in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and
2: but
3: where were you in college here? In California.
2: Berkeley? And and no, not Berkeley. Well, which is
3: almost like Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a community college on the, in the East Bay area down by San Francisco, starting out. And then uh, the Good University total. of <laughs> California <laughs> at Fresno. And then uh, Humboldt State. That's now the humble, since uh, university now, but the Tyler State College. Right. And I participated in a lot of, <clears throat> uh, it was was the the rock and roll, uh, I mean, the, hippie. Whole, hippie. Yeah, the whole yeah, the whole, you don't want to
0: call it a hippie hippie <laughs> culture. <counterculture. laughs> right yeah. So so when Please. were you in college? Was that was that the sixties? The yeah. That would have been let's see,
3: graduated from high school '69, so early '70s.
0: Early '70s. Okay. Yeah.
3: And I, I wrapped up with a BA in Humboldt '75, in so that's the, the time frame right there. And I, <clears throat> I even had uh, when we lived in Fresno, there was they had at the university there, um, they had the free speech square, and. There was that time, the time that Vietnam things going on. Um, but it was all all that was in high gear. And I even had at one point we had people from the socialist workers party. I've never mentioned this to you, so <laughs> this is this is oh, news oh. to you. Oh man. We even had people from the socialist workers party staying in our uh, apartment that we had. I had several roommates down so I got ingrained in in this stuff, and they, the Socialist Workers Party. Actually, when I really had a chance to meet with those guys and gals, it scared me because they were uh, that what was wrong with everything in this country was uh, could be explained away because of the strife between the the, the class. Warfare and the workers and, and that whole thing and the capitalism was the main thing that was that was the evil and if you get rid of that then everything else goes away It gets better and you're in a, a utopia.
0: Did they wear rose tinted
3: glasses? Right.
1: Wow.
3: Right.
0: <laughs> so
3: to make a long story that was just, just a short experience, uh, but it was uh, I learned a lot. So I have voted for Obama twice. <laughs>
0: uh, unbelievable!
4: <laughs>
3: it's
0: okay, Jimmy. Step back from the edge. My ten-year-old, uh, my ten-year-old, ten-year-old daughter cried. So, so, so for those, those in the, in the studio audience, Jimmy is now wiping the uh, the tears from his eyes. But
1: I just think you canceled him out, right? Yeah, it, but there is a story okay. of why he. Swam. So, you should yeah, yeah, yeah. what got to him was Benghazi. 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 The to four him. that we gave up and the other rendering when we didn't protect our people. There. Well, yes. Yeah, it's, it's essentially,
3: that was one of the things. Um, and Hillary. And, and I just couldn't <laughs> stand some of the stuff that was coming out of the, the Clinton campaign. But... There was also an, an event that I totally unexpected that influenced me, which was, um, yeah, it was kind of an oddball experience. I was, when I was a little kid, I used to li- uh, listen to shortwave radio and you'd hear stuff from all over the world. That really, that medium no longer exists. So <clears throat> when that, the, the uh, Russia, over Crimea and all those incidents started to occur and the Ukraine became unsettled. I just started browsing on Facebook some of the people that were involved in that. And it turned out, I had uh, <clears throat> just by chance, I fell upon a guy, his name is, I'm, I'm gonna butcher his name, but it's Serhiy Talyshenko, he's an archeologist. Mm-hmm. in Buford, in, uh, and at night because of the time differences, two o'clock in the morning, he was uh, on there and he was showing he'd take pictures out of his window of people you know on the streets in uniform and that weren't supposed to be there right and um, one night the um, he had a, a live cam on his Facebook feed. And basically, what was going on is an army, an army, uh, state of Ukraine, army facility was being attacked by little green men that that they were referring to back then, or the rebels, or whoever they were. And he was, as that was going on, you you could see, there was no sound, but you could see ambulances, and you could see military vehicles going on. And he goes, on Facebook, he said, where where is our military, Where, where is our help? And a lot of people in Ukraine at the time felt that we, back when, uh, when Ukraine was forced to give up its nuclear, agreed to give up its nuclear weapons, there was an agreement that they would have sovereignty and the signatories of this Budapest mem- memorandum, which is, I'm getting in the weeds here, but. They, we all agreed, the US, Russia, England, a couple others, that, that their sovereignty would be respected. Now we have one of the signatories breaking that. And at the time, there was a lot of, well, you guys, us, and others, but because we live here, to me it was us. Um, you guys are not respecting, what you made a commitment, and here we need your help. Right. And this guy at night, I was listening to him, and I wanted to say, I wish I could, I had this, I wanted to come help, mm-hmm. right? I wanted to do something, sure. but then I realized I'm, that we're, you know, what, 15,000 miles away? I don't have any idea how far it is. Um, and then I heard, with that going on, and then I heard Obama, President Obama and others saying, Ukraine, we've got your back, you know, we stand behind Ukraine and hear all this stuff that, that we've got your back. Well, in reality, he wouldn't send any defensive weapons there when they needed it. They weren't, it was all lip service. Right. So when um, these people were faced with this dilemma, and it's based on attack on them, We were not there. Obama made it sound like we were there, that we had them, that we were supporting them, but in reality, we were not. And at that point, I said, because through this communication with this guy in Ukraine and a few other people, I went, I I just can't condone this. I'm not sure
0: what the solution would have been, but this is just BS. So that for those of those of you in Nanaylch, that means
1: Bolshevik. B.S. <laughs> <Yeah>. Bolshevik. <laughs> Bolshevik. So uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. I like yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> let me
3: use that. <coughs> and then you add uh, what was going on with the Hillary, all the other things that were going on, and all the uh, the anti uh, Second Amendment actions and all the all this stuff. I just I can can't do it anymore. I'm out of the liberal democratic party. And so it changed over to Republican. He
2: went into the um, the Florence Republican Club. He went into the Florence uh, Oregon Republican Club and right off the bat he said, I apologize for (laughs) two years of voting, two terms of voting for Obama. (laughs) He was just like, every time he... Talk about I'm. apologize for voting for Obama. I'm so sorry. And I'm a Republican, you know. So it was a. It's really interesting thing how he just switched and switch quick. But it was. Just, uh, I was very proud of him. We can now <laughs> talk politics.
0: Well, the the, <laughs> the term that comes to my mind, and I always goof this up. I always. I don't know if I have mild dyslexia or what, but I always switch this around, and that's the end justifies the mean. I always get it the other way around. The means justifies the end, and that's wrong. But um, (laughs) that's way wrong. That's way wrong. So, um, but you know, as as I listen to you talk about what happened in uh, Crimea and with the Ukrainians, you know, around that time we had a Ukrainian exchange student living with us, and and it was a very uh, difficult time for her, and so we got to talk about that, but. Uh, So while you were talking, I looked up the definition because I like, we like to talk about words on this show. And part of the show is to increase all of our knowledge about how we can use words to better communicate uh, our ideas and our thoughts. And so Webster's online dictionary says, uh, definition of the ends justifies the means is used to say that a desired result is so good or important, that any method, even a morally bad one, may be used to achieve it. And then they give an example in in, uh, text where they say, they believe that the end justifies the means and will do anything to get their candidate elected. That's the the, uh, example that Webster's gives. And I thought that that was rather poignant as I'm thinking about the illegal actions of the Russian government and the world's uh, non-response to what happened in Ukraine, and um, and then our recent election, and we have a regime right now it seems that is very Putin-esque in its dealing with the people, and and that kind of goes back to what you were talking about with uh, your contact. With or attempted contact with your state and national representatives in, in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so I, I just wanted to pick that out because I'm, we're talking about words and, and phrases and, and communication.
1: Um, Jimmy, do, do you have a follow up? A couple of things. One is Dave said that um, you'd reached the tipping point, so the old phrase of a the straw that broke the camel's back, and historically, uh, if one were to take words like liberal, liberal versus conservative, uh, Democrat versus Republican, there was a day that um, both parties had some common commonality to them, uh, though they want their view of approaching them from different ways as a solution. And the commonalities were things like America is a great place for a place of opportunity. I wrote up on our board over here, equality versus equity. Today, attached to critical race theory, it sounds like a word that would bring us together when we say there should be equity. And a lot of the, as we're watching people go before Senate confirmation, that word equity pops up a lot. Uh, we're seeing more in the last several weeks of local par- parents uh, kind of individually now coming up and uh, some a few educators bucking against critical race theory and uh, the, some of the language that is used. So there, there are things that are meant to divide. There was historically a time, so I ask you about being uh, a Democrat. Where I grew up in Oklahoma, the county was... Uh, the democrats were the dominant party being a republican was very much in the minority but the county also primarily voted conservative so candidates would come in and they may be called a democrat but what if we looked at the person today and their their view very conservative second amendment rights individual rights the worth of the individual if you're going to get money you should work we shouldn't Churches should take care of their mission is to help people who are going through hard times. It's not the government's role. Uh, That was 50 years ago, 60 years ago. We've moved to to the point now where um, people who were raised in that culture, our psychological attachment to our history, our traditions, I remember asking my dad one time um, when I got old enough to start recognizing the difference in parties, are you a Democrat or Republican? And kind of angrily, he said, I'm American. I'm American. There's a lot of That just frightened me when I was 19, 11 years old because of the passion with which he said it. He was a World War II veteran and older. So if if we discuss here why would people linger in, in a system where they, where it doesn't comport, it doesn't align with their beliefs, their values, there's a cognitive dissonance mm-hmm. of letting go, of making a change. But we're seeing where people have reached a point of going, no more. They feel voiceless. They feel unheard. They're, we see it in the, the media now. Um, the regime's leader, we can say it that way, some calling President Biden, uh, had a meeting where he... Um, Uh, said basically America's back were respected again and it's a twisting of the word respect if that means you've now rejoined the club and people saying you're following their rules uh, it didn't take much looking at the G7 conglomerate of of people of how he was blending in well he followed all of them he, he trailed because and with his head down he didn't bow but his head was down and I think probably it was he was watching where his feet would fall so he knew which way he was going or something. I'm not sure. But on the deeper level, this sense of asking ourselves, what are our values? Um, and one can have be very liberal-minded in that um, the larger good, there is a commonality. But when things like the socialist workers' parties or the BLM group that come in and say, you've got to do this, you can say, Well, I'm not racist. Well, that's not good enough. You have to be anti racist. Or you have to say this the little phrases we saw it in Nazism, the the ritual of raising a hand and saying, Hi Hitler or Heil depending on whether you're how German you are. Um, so you know, there there are a lot of issues where I think even um, here in Alaska the part of the the technique is to divide people and isolate people, and part of this forum opportunity is for people to have a voice. Uh, right now, we're sitting at Ammo Can. We call it a studio, uh, and we are sitting around a microphone. Um, people could walk through the door right now, and and I think unless you lock the door. No, it's uh, no.
0: The, the door is open, and yeah. So this is this is in the cafe setting. So. Uh, Very much like uh, the Age of Enlightenment and the um, time in which uh, sort of the peasantry looked around and said, you know, we don't like being ruled by masters. Um, They started talking amongst themselves in cafes, public houses, and salons, and, uh, you know, this this period of of innovation and thought and the advancement of philosophy and civil rights and, you know, everything that basically kick-started modern... Democracy, you know, um, really was rebirthed there during that age of enlightenment. So that's kind of what we're doing here with the club is that we are meant to be open to uh, re- well-reasoned discussion. And when I right. say that, it's, it's to say, you know, we all need to probably step back and take a breath when we feel the need to rant on Facebook and say, what part of my brain is being triggered right now right am i engaging the frontal lobe my my center of reason or am i in some more primitive place that uh makes me want to get in a fist fight or run away um and i think you know that's one of the one of the problems with social media is yes it's very convenient it's a great way to network but beyond that it uh serves to further fracture and separate us and you know was talking with somebody yesterday about um you know the context of the club and saying you know what is a thumbs up anyway even the thumbs up has been perverted by uh by our this this present culture you know thumbs up used to mean way to go out a boy now it now What's it's you? a uh in some countries, it's not a good thing. yeah 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 so but in this country you know thumbs up uh Uh, Used to mean, you know, way to go, Joe. And now it's like, I'm your friend, but don't challenge me on Facebook. Don't challenge my thoughts, my positions. And Facebook allows people to stand behind fences and and sort of launch their diatribes Mm -hmm. and then duck back out. It's like Tim Allen and, and Home Improvement that neighbor, you never see the face. You know, it's like the faceless book. Yes, there's a photo there, but. Really, how well do we know each other? And that's, that's why we're, we're all meeting here today, and that's why the studio is open. And um, really, I encourage anyone who has uh, come to a political sort of epiphany in recent years and uh, is really seriously rethinking their positions or, or uh, tearing apart their, their long-held beliefs, and reevaluating them to come and engage in this forum. We want to hear from you.
4: There are others out there. Um, It was about this time last year, it was in Fred Meyer, and this woman, she was just really animated. She said, she goes, "Um, I'm from Anchorage, and I'm sorry, I'm a Democrat, but that's crazy up there. And I said, well, welcome to the Kenai. (laughs) It's more normal down here. Um, But there are so many others, and getting back to the definitions, you know, this is the verse I've heard about the thumbs up. So I see the thumbs up and I'm thinking it's a good thing. So maybe it's not a good thing. Um, but our our definitions don't match. You right. know, we talked about conservatism last week and what does it really mean? And so even a liberal can think of a conservative thing, but it's not the same as conservative that we're talking about. And, um, yeah, our definitions have got to be... We gotta get on board. It doesn't have to we can have unity without uniformity. We don't all have to agree.
1: Well that's so. that's going back to where there was a time when we had some common things and a technique of, right. of overtaking any group is to divide and conquer. And if one's philosophy is the ends justify the means. Then uh, of course we did this thing because it's for the better good. It's for equity. Uh, of course, it's okay to hate people of a certain skin color, would be a white. But what is the definition of good? And and that is the, that is <laughs> who, a great question. And we who want, is part uh, of the greater? And who who is they that get to decide this thing? We see glimpses of it now. I mean, if you watch the talking heads in the media. Uh, the young lady just this last week who came out on her local Fox station who was being called for what has become very ordinary now. We're, now we're going to Jason down in ammo can. Tell us what's going on at the ammo can. And Jason said, okay, but before I do that, let me tell you the truth. And she told how the executives forced what she could report and not report. So the, the input that we're getting is being shaped. Uh, So I think last week, Jason, you mentioned uh, Orwell's book. If you've not read Animal Farm, you ought to to read Animal Farm because you may hear me say the phrase when you see the pigs walking. Um, So when you see the pigs walking basically is the process by which um, little by little the definitions are changed and people are divided because it's easier to control individual tribes when we separate and we mix up. And even to report certain things, we're we're helping you a lot now, Dave. I'm gonna really help you. I'm helping you a lot. Is this helping? I know this is helping, because you hear the caring in my voice. I really care. Are you okay now? Okay. Coffee? Did that help? (laughs) (laughs) Probably not. But people are convinced because we're being gaslit Um, There's a lot of gaslighting where, don't look behind the, don't look over here, don't look at the reality, the peaceful protests of last summer were not nearly like the insurrection of January 6th, words, the the particular words that are used repetitively create images in the mind Mm -hmm. uh, that cause us to question, to doubt, to delay uh, a, a reaction. But what we're seeing more and more, I think, are people who have reached that deciding point of saying, I can't go along with this anymore. And it's not really, uh, you said that you became a Republican. Uh, I am not a Republican. Um, I, I'll just state that because of the labels. You know, we're, we're a society, we're a world of labels. What's your label? Thumbs up is a symbol labels are like symbols, and we want to categorize people. If it's religion, it's what religion are you, or what denomination are you? If you're a sports advocate, it's what team do you sport? We need to find those common things that bring us together. This is a great place to live, and people have certain rights and value, and your equal right to mine is to have a voice. And to say, like, as Jason said earlier, when it's done reasonably, and we're using the part of the brain that's not throwing bricks. Uh, we used to have decorum like that in our polit- politics. But it's okay if the
0: bricks show up on a pallet completely wrapped with no invoice and no owner. Yeah, I would
1: drive up here and I would say, <laughs> is Jason going to be adding on? Look at that pallet of bricks. wonder what that's for. Yeah. yeah. Um, as long as we're not
0: throwing bricks. I, I, you know, you used the term uh, earlier, you said gaslighting. So uh, again, words. No, I have... didn't. I didn't use that term. <laughs> and here we go. Now we're gonna. Now we're gonna delve into why he said no. He didn't use that term. So Webster says uh, the definition of gaslight is to attempt to make someone believe that he or she is going insane. Going insane.
1: You going are going insane. insane. You are going insane as
0: by subjecting that person to a series of experiences that have no rational explanation. So the example they give was Stacy was being gaslighted by someone, leaving Jack's watch in the house and then making it disappear and calling her on the phone using Jack's voice.
1: That's a little. That's a little uh, clever. Of a specific example, uh, I think a more succinct uh, definition of gaslighting is seeking to convince, consciously or unconsciously, another person that their reality is a delusion. That so can also
0: be called conditioning. or it could be conditioning. Brainwashing.
1: It could be called denying. So a wife says... Um, did you take out the garbage, or did you move my phone? And he said, I didn't touch your phone. could be that simple. Or it could be uh, a people having a discussion that said, you just told me the other day that you wanted me to move the chicken coop. I never said that. I didn't say that. You've Chip. never seen that in your council. Oh, go-to. well, <laughs> not in the last 24 hours. <laughs> uh, okay, maybe last night. Uh, it, it happens... It, there's a normalcy sometimes where people will go through this point, but gaslighting where it becomes classic is, and there is an old movie called uh, Gas Lit or Gaslighting um, and it, it, it displays it pretty well, but it's denying to the other the sense that they have an equal voice for whatever reason that a person may do it. Um, a lot of times in domestic violence cases uh, or if you work in the prison system, uh, Prisoners do that, and they're fancy names for it clinically. But gaslighting is the process where, much like I said to you, I didn't say that, I didn't do that, or convincing someone that something is so that's not so.
4: Sounds kind of like our government is doing that
1: to Well, here's here's another yeah. uh, here's another
0: use. Um, this is uh, gaslighting as a noun, uh, and this is again from Webster's Online Dictionary. Gaslighting is a term often used by mental health professionals, hmm. <laughs> uh, and the, the writer says, I am not one, <laughs> I am uh, to describe manipulative behavior used to confuse people yep. into thinking their reactions are so far off base that they're all crazy. So does that sound, that, that sounds to me like the whole last summer. No, nothing to see here. It was mostly a peaceful protest as the building explodes in flames behind the, the reporter. Yep. And, and your eyes see destruction and chaos, people being beat to death by bike locks and and, you know, and chased down the street and, and humiliated and having urine and things thrown on them. And, and they're saying nothing to see here. And if you think that there's nothing to see here, you're a racist. Yeah. Because that was all around the BLM George Floyd, you know, well you're a racist. If you say this is a riot, you're a racist. If if you say that this is bad, you're a racist. If if your brain tells you wait wait a second, this is un-American, this is wrong. This is not how we express our our civil dissatisfaction in something,
1: you're racist. Well, what about the uh, you're crazy. This thing on, down on our southern border um, which is pretty interesting that a year ago it was it was problematic or it was a crisis. Uh, and even early on in this administration, it was called a crisis and we saw the influx of people and the numbers rising and children in cages, so, so to speak. Um, and yet it, it's not reported at all gaslighting by uh, silence can also happen where uh, people say, Isn't that a problem? No, no problem. We look at that. What are you talking about? Yeah, what are you talking about? What's, what, what's your problem?
4: Um, I just finished reading this book from Gerda Weissman Klein, All But My Life. She was a Holocaust survivor. And um, at the time that.
0: You believe in the Holocaust?
4: <laughs> well, yes. It
0: never happened. Um, <laughs> She, she's, a, she's we're all going to be gaslighting for the rest of the day. no we're not
4: she's a, a, a teenager when, when she's writing uh, about this experience here um, so as a teenager she's saying we'd all assembled why? why did we walk like meek sheep to the slaughterhouse why did we not fight back what had we to lose nothing but our lives why did we not run away and hide we might have had a chance to survive Why did we walk deliberately and obediently into their clutches? I know why. Because we had faith in humanity. Because we did not really think that human beings were capable of committing such crimes. And it's today. We're like sheep. We just follow obediently. The vaccine, oh, it's a good thing.
1: The mask, wear it. Wear two, wear three.
4: Wear it in your car when you're alone.
1: Yeah, I saw, uh, and, and
0: I'll repeat this again for anybody who is wanting to vaccinate. You know that's your choice. Yeah, absolutely. And and if you are have a comorbidity or you find yourself on the wrong side of the statistics for uh, getting sick, you know y- you and your doctor that that's your territory. There should not be a bureaucrat telling you what to do and what not to do. It's right. a highly personal decision. And the last time I looked, we still have a constitution that allows us freedom and liberty. But like the Holocaust survivor, that freedom and liberty must be exercised. And if somebody tells you, oh, well, that doesn't apply in this situation because there's a pandemic, or there's a special circumstance that says that uh, your freedom and liberty are not absolute, or are, are not uh, something given by God, but rather, something that can be arbitrarily, randomly, and frequently removed by man or some technocrat or medical okay. expert. You know, uh, we have lost our country. If, if we have arrived at that situation, and, and like the Holocaust survivor, we are very quickly walking in lockstep with a bunch of lemmings getting closer and closer to the edge. Right. Somebody has to take a left. Somebody has to take a right.
4: Don't the end justify the means?
0: Well fortunately, <laughs> the one thing that the left has not taken from us is the title of the right. And I think there's power in that. They've taken liberalism, which has been perverted. Right. Correct. And and you know, liberalism comes there's a root word in there, and and you know, you can find liberty, libertarian. Um and they've twisted it to mean something else. And I found it ironic. I think it was around the first Gulf War uh, when they started reporting Republicans as red, Republican states as red. And up till that point, red was associated with socialists, the communist party. And uh, that was, and in my young life, that was, that was something I looked at and I was like, this is ironic. I was like, this is so strange, you know, and and then I thought about, well, maybe they decided to call the Democrats blue because because they were, uh, you know, the party of the people, the, the blue collar, you know, the downtrodden, the masses. The, well, that goes right into a socialist, you know, sort of propaganda film. Sure. And and uh, so we are on the right. That means we are right. And we need to continually remind people that when you're right, you're in your right mind. That's correct. And you are you're using reason and logic to have conversations. And you know, a lie has to be continually propped up. And gaslighting is just one of the tools with which a lie is is perpetuated. And oftentimes, if you say something enough times, perception becomes reality. Yes and it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And so, um, Dave, you've kind of been quiet during this period. I'm curious, to, to find from you, what, what were the things on the Democrat side that um, attracted you to be a registered Democrat for so many years? I would say
3: that concept of, Greater good. Um, that I'm thinking of uh, different things that had, had come up over those years um, that maybe people needed help and that the government could help provide that help. Um, that um, there were different issues then, but that concept of <clears throat> everybody should have free college, free, whatever. It doesn't matter. That the government can provide that. And I never really agreed that that should happen all the time, but it was a element of degree, I'd say. That, um, that people can pay taxes, yeah. communal effort to provide a greater good for other people. But in reality, I don't find that happening. Um, if you get government too much power. <clears throat> you're, I don't think people uh, you don't really realize how much power the government has until you become on the other side to where you're the, the target. I, I paid child support for a long time. I never really thought about child support and I never really thought about um, you know, how that works. And I, I had previously been married, got a divorce, and I said, well, I'll work, she can stay home, I'll help support them, I'll see them. Well, none of that worked out very well, but on the child support part, <clears throat> I had to pay, irregardless of
0: where that money was going. And the, the, You mean it didn't all go towards the child? Correct. <laughs> the house. It went, <laughs> it went
3: to drinking a lot of uh, a case of beer in two days, you know, type of thing. Mm. And a lot of other stuff we won't get into here, but um so I would call the child support people up, the workers, the state workers, and say, Do you, you know these things are happening? And that's not our responsibility, our responsibility is to collect that child support no matter what. And um, <clears throat> What I found was that the government was there for that, to collect that money no matter what, but it wasn't there for the other side of the coin, right. where I needed help, to so that the scales became unbalanced. What I, my worries and cares didn't matter, and that was that's just another uh, nail in the coffin of my democratic registration as time went on, but. Um, I would say that if freedom is—you have to, that the biggest thing is freedom and liberty. The people have natural rights to freedom and liberty. If you allow the thing that is attractive to liberalism, is eventually it's going to be the complete opposite of freedom and liberty. It's just the way it works. I don't know why it's that way, but it, it's, the, it's what happened with the Bolsheviks in Russia. Abuses or went too far on either side. So um, I, what I would say to people is to read some of the uh, old things, of, uh, Solzhenitsyn, um, read up on uh, Marxism, and after a while you begin to understand that <clears throat> this is an illusion, right? it's an illusion. It's just the not real. Cambodia
2: like uh, the
3: Cambodia, the yeah. whole thing there.
2: And
3: uh, so, I'll, I'll take the, the second, then firearms. That is a a, is a real clear, since we're at ammo camp. <laughs>
0: uh, what uh, does that have to do with yeah, that? <laughs> I know, don't <I> know. <laughs> ammo, I think. Uh, we're we're rearming the masses one well-made drink at a time. There you go. There. Which also is you could say one w- WMD at a time. Right.
1: Well-made drink. Well-made, well-made drink. made yeah, well-made is
0: drink. It is very. Good
1: <laughs> <laughs> it is very good coffee. And now we'll be back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> but the the, uh, the I,
3: I can see we're. People might say, "Well, we just get rid of all the guns, and then all this thing with the guns will be taken care of." It's the, you know. But that's not reality. People are going to be angry, hostile. There's going to be problems. Um, no matter if there's guns or if there aren't guns, and there's going to be guns because that's just the way that it is. Um, so, but the concept, for me. I, can, I don't generally carry a firearm. In other places we've lived, I've known that if I wanna carry a firearm, I have to go through A, B, C, D. In Oregon, I had to drive what was it, 75 miles to Eugene, make an appointment at the sheriff's office, put it in an application, and then you wait for some period of time and you pay them whatever it was, it's gone up, I'm sure. Then you take a class, pay for the class, do all these steps. Here in Alaska, there's a breath of uh, Tia Winger mentioned it in a Facebook post one time, standing up by the, she had a picture on um, Facebook, <clears throat> standing by the pipeline up north, and it said, I'm up here in, uh, in, in Alaska, smelling the fresh air of freedom. And that's what it is. It's at any time, if I want to, if I should decide that I want to carry a firearm, I can do it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, as long as I'm, you know, legally as long as I'm legally not prohibited from carrying a firearm, I can go, today I'm I'm worried about something, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be, I'm going to go for a walk in the woods. I can carry a firearm. I don't have to, mother may I, anyway. It's not like that in other places. So, and that, that's freedom right there. And I, I get more freedom even if I don't carry it gun, just knowing that I can. Sure. It's a weight off your, it's hard to describe. Really, but it's, freedom isn't necessarily something you can hold in your hand, it's
0: a sense. Yeah. But you, you mentioned a term that I remember from my political science you know, days, um, and that was uh, natural right, right, or natural law. And uh, Webster's, again, says the legal definition of natural right is a right considered to be conferred by natural law. And it cites James Madison, one of our founding fathers, and says distinguished natural rights, such as life and liberty from rights that are part of the compact between citizen and government. So he distinguished the difference, that there's a difference between life and liberty and all the other stuff that comes from the compact between the citizen and government. And so uh, I remember, uh, I believe his name was David Rawls. And a prominent uh, political scientist had coined a definition for law that said, Law is the authoritative allocation of values by society to a, a governing body to then enforce, essentially. And so the authoritative allocation is. The authoritative allocation of values by society suggests that beyond the natural law, there are these other things we set up as important and we want reinforced. But natural law itself is something given by God or that occurs naturally and is not some construct of man. And and as such, it supersedes anything that man can say they want to justify as... As rights or moral or immoral or it just is—it's a state of being. So an and unborn that,
4: baby would have
0: that natural. Oh, stop! <laughs> stop. And you're always—you're always trying to start a fight. And, and
2: that is also the difference I have found between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party: is that the Democratic people have looked to the government as being the replacement for God. However, Republicans, not. Republican or conservative Christians, they know that the government is not God. We'll never be able to replace God. God is not government. But people that are in power often enjoy that power. So, that, I think there's a saying, I don't who said absolute power for absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, uh, cool.
0: I just came up with a little phrase in my mind when I was listening to that. I thought, God is. Government is
4: not. Well, it's supposed to be government for the people and by the people, but it's not that. We've got a government that is telling the people what to do. Not the people telling government what to do. It's been twisted around. And back to the definition of freedom. We say the definition of freedom means one thing, and our government is saying the definition of freedom for us is something else.
0: Right. Well, I want to thank you guys for your time today. Uh, we are nearing the end of our hour. And uh, you've been listening to the Ammo Can Coffee Social and Cultural Club, Hour of Power, and Enlightenment Salon. And I need to remind folks that on Saturday, and this, the, this session is pre-recorded, so it is actually Friday, but every Saturday at 1230, we have a a follow-up discussion on uh, the Enlightenment Salon and uh, Loretta Eaton is the host of that and so we would just invite you to come in. Come in during our podcast uh, regularly recorded at 11 to noon on Saturday and participate as a member of the studio audience or uh, let us know if you'd like to come on the show and express your opinions and talk about your journey into conservatism. Also a reminder that uh, Uh, We have some upcoming events. We have the School of Government scheduled. uh, I'm going to ask my scheduler real quick. Michelle, when is the School of Government? June 28th 28th is the next School of Government. That is a Monday night at 7 p.m. And uh, the guest is Representative Ron Gillum from District 30. He will be talking about his time in Juneau as a freshman in his first session. And specifically, I believe he'll be talking on the Education Committee, to which he was a, a member of this last session. Uh, that is a, a topic that's on everybody's minds. Um, I can't remember who said it. Maybe somebody here does. But uh, all you need is one generation, and you can change a society. And I think it was a very unwholesome uh, person Unsavory who said Unsavory person. Unsavory started person who started the Holocaust. Um, who said that? And it's ironic that in our society today that we are struggling with our educational institutions who are fighting for the thoughts and hearts and souls of our children. And so uh, thank you for tuning in to the Hour of Power and Enlightenment Salon. Jimmy, do you have any final words?
1: There are a lot of interesting things that are happening in the news. We see even here in Alaska now, the legislature, I guess, still working on a budget. Um, Things like, uh, what is conservative? How does conservatism apply to a budget? Um, Listening to some discussion this week. So as you're living your life, we all live our life each day, and you bump up against things that uh, cause you to scratch your head or wonder. question or get you impassioned about something uh, drop us a note uh, or, or, or drop by and share your thoughts or your questions because we're all in this thing together That's for right. success.
0: And you can reach out on Facebook, although uh, Facebook has uh, been shadow banning us for quite some time now. Um, we can never get more than 1,525 members. So we have over 7,000 people we've served in the last uh, several years and we um, for some reason, we just can't pass that threshold. So we would encourage you to challenge that, uh, that theory. Go on, like us on Facebook, and uh, then shoot us an email at sarge at ammocancoffee.ninja. So that's sarge, S-A-R-G-E, at ammo can coffee all one word, dot ninja. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback, your thoughts, your comments, and uh, potentially have you on the show. Have a great uh, Saturday, everybody, and we'll catch you at the same time next week. Thank you. We're waving. Bye bye. Thumbs up. Dramatic music. Close.